the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast, where the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And today we have got a patron-requested episode, a big thank you to Joseph Garcia, who is not just a patron, he's a friend of the podcast, he's been on the podcast, Mm -hmm. he's a friend in general, and he's got a damn good podcast of his own. Yeah. Uh, if you guys, I mean, you guys may remember that him and his brother have uh, been on our podcast a couple times each. Uh, they did the the X Men the animated series slash Batman the animated series episode with us way back. It was like our episode our number eight or something. Yeah. Um, and then they each came back with like a, a DC and Marvel related episode. Joseph talking about the Howard the Duck movie and Spider-Man, the animated series with us. Uh, We've had a great time with them. Um, I guess I haven't mentioned the name of their podcast. (laughs) Uh, Some of y'all actually, I know for a fact, came to us from them. Um, And so, you know, if anybody hasn't checked them out, make sure you do. It is the Dynamic Dual Podcast. Uh, they are they do fantastic stuff, um, giving you updates on all things Marvel and DC news, as well as giving you some you know really unique and fun battles between Marvel and DC characters, as well as doing reviews of uh, movies within those franchises. So uh, check them out if you haven't. We absolutely love them. Um, but you know he obviously appreciates our podcast enough to be a patron. Um, actually, I think both of us are actually patrons of theirs as well because it's just <laughs> it's a mutual love of podcasting right here. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, he has requested that. Um, well, he's at he's at the level where he gets to pick, uh, you know, a, a show for us to do, mm-hmm. and he seems to be a James Bond fan. Which you know is this, honestly James Bond Junior, uh, which is one of, is the show we're gonna do. We're gonna do James Bond Junior as the TV show b- review. We are gonna break down the 1995 film Goldeneye, and then we are gonna do our own recasting of James Bond, which I know they've got a new movie coming out. Yeah. Honestly, I didn't even check to see who's in that one. Right. Um, I probably should have to make sure I'm not casting anyone in there, but whatever. Um, I, I, I picked, you know, who I wanted and we'll see how that goes. But yeah. Bond, James Bond in general really wasn't a franchise that uh, neither of us got into when we were kids. I don't think, I mean, our parents were not big Bond people, so I don't think we really got into that. No, uh, the I mean the only uh, the only movie I really remember at all going to see was Goldeneye, um, yeah. and I think it had been a little while since there had been a James Bond movie, um, and they you know had to recast Pierce Brosnan for this, and so it was kind of a big deal, and I remember going to mm-hmm. see it, and I remember in, you know relatively enjoying it at least then, and we'll talk about you know more about that now, but that was pretty much it. Um, I do remember the cartoon, which we'll talk about. Yeah, I knew that that was something that you had written down as like a, a legit, you know, thing from from your nostalgia to uh, to actually review anyway on our own time. So it's just perfect that uh, Joseph wanted us to do it. Um, and yeah, and, and with you, the very first like Bond movie that I saw was Casino Royale, not the old, old one that was like a parody, but the, you know, the Daniel Craig one. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the very first one that I saw in totality. I didn't even see Goldeneye. I remember at some point after college, I watched some like about half of it uh, mm-hmm. with a friend, 
But then me and the friend started making out, and I didn't really watch the rest of it. <laughs> so that was my GoldenEye experience. Uh, so I didn't really remember any of it. So um, it was good to kind of actually watch a, a full-on, you know, non-Daniel Craig movie. Because I've seen all four of the Daniel Craig ones, but this, this is the first other one that I've seen. So, uh, yeah, so we'll go through that, you know, during our breakdown. And that was 1995, John. 95. There's got to be some other cool stuff that happened in 95. Yeah, so I, what I've started doing is I've just sort of boiling it down to things that I can search by the week that the movie com, comes okay. out, so that uh, it gives us a little bit of variety, especially because we're, we're yeah. going to go back and talk about the same movies over and over again. Uh, so uh, the movie came out November 17th of 1995, uh, topping the Billboard charts. There's no surprise, the queen of the 90s, Mariah Carey, with the song Fantasy. I, I got pretty close to her high notes, I think. What, you get into your whistle register? Yep, yep, that's me. <laughs> I'm very good at that. Uh, on TV uh, was a show that it's possible we could talk about this in the future, but uh, I do remember watching it because I remember it kind of being a big deal when it came out, uh, was the show ER. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a huge show. So, uh, I mean, we could. I mean, that's man, that show lasted for a long time. Yeah. Um, Which yeah. I was shocked. I remember learning how long it had lasted. And I'm like, really? That show was still on? I thought it, and I thought it ended by the end of the yeah. '90s. It's like, um, what was it the Grey's, Grey's Anatomy, Anatomy show, yeah. which started in the late '90s? And it, I think it's actually legitimately still going on. I think it and is. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> Topping the uh, New York Times bestseller list was a Michael Crichton book called The Lost World. Oh yeah, well, the second, the sequel to uh, Jurassic Park. Very cool. And just because I was interested to find out uh, what was going on in the world of video games during this week, uh, a few weeks prior to this had seen the release of these, uh, what is now a franchise, Twist- uh, Twisted Metal for the PS1. Twisted Metal was badass. Um, I, we didn't have a PlayStation, uh, but I had a friend who had Twisted Metal, and so I went out and I played that you know not not like intensely with him Mm -hmm. but plenty of times it was super cool looking great like car design and just overall art design Mm -hmm. yeah that that game was super you're doing like car battles freaking cool yeah i i think i played it once and i don't even think it was twist the original twisted metal i think it was one of the other ones anyway that was 1995 okay that is a lot of good stuff in 1995 john Uh, there's uh some other cool news that I want to bring up. Uh, One is that our man John over here has recorded an episode with the OCD podcast. Um, You uh, Give us a little breakdown of what you did with them. Okay, so yeah, I did an episode of the ongoing comic book discussion podcast, uh, which our friend Corey is uh, a co-host on with his friend Tess, and their dynamic is kind of, Corey is is a longtime comic book fan and and, uh, very knowledgeable about it, and Tess just came to comic books, probably just within the last year or so, it sounds like. So it's it's the two of them discussing 
uh, comic books, mostly they'll they'll pick one uh, particular either trade or series or something and talk about that. They don't they don't generally just talk one issue. They'll talk through a whole trade or something. Um, and yeah. I was on talking about Red Sonia. Yes, I mean, which is a movie that I mean, it's, you're talking about Red Sonia, the comic book series, yes. so not the movie. Maybe you guys talked about it. Um, you know, I can't wait to listen to that episode. So you'll have to listen to find out. I will, and I will, sir. Uh, other really cool news about OCD Podcast: They have joined the BFOP Network. BFOP, baby, uh, blast from our past network. Because you know they talk a lot of you know some nostalgia comics and whatnot, and it's just. Um, you know, obviously, Corey is part of the BFOP network with the uh, Cartwright and Podcasting After Dark. Um, so go check out literally every single podcast that is <laughs> on the Blast From Our Past network, which includes ours. Obviously, you're listening to this, so you're checking us out. Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast that I'm on, if you like my voice, along with uh, Corey. And then uh, Podcasting After Dark, which is very similar format to ours, but it is Corey and his buddy Zach, um, who you might, if you're a patron, you've probably heard Zach on his uh, a trivia episode with us which was a lot of fun yeah um, but they're do they do similar breakdowns of movies but they typically you know talk even longer and uh, about each movie but then also they are the movies are cult classic ones yeah. they're not like the we, we're like the mainstream they're like the cult ca- classic guys uh, and then friday five podcast is another one that you guys should obviously check out if you haven't already because they're all just kind of general nostalgic stuff but brent and eric are hilarious they're fantastic guys and then now the ocd podcast so that's five podcasts on bfop and hoping to grow even more and um, just you know bring a, bring a ton of content to everybody out there our little family's growing up. Yeah. Oh, it's so sweet. Um, one last announcement that I've got for everybody, just because I'm just splurting it all out now, <laughs> is um, we had John and I, as of this recording, we haven't done, uh, we're, we're about to record, but I think by the time this episode actually airs, the other one should be out. But John and I are going to be on the 88 Mile an Hour podcast. Yep. And we're excited about that one. Um, you know, it's it's kind of a general discussion about movies and other things, nostalgia. And so we are going to be doing our, not a breakdown, but just like an overall talk about Bill and Ted's bogus journey. So if you guys, you know, are, are fans of this podcast, you might know that we did Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure way back. Uh, I don't even remember when, but it was a while back. And as opposed to doing a breakdown of, you know, me and John doing it on a normal episode, we're going to do it with them, you know, in their format because they also already did Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. And so now we can all talk Bogus Journey and see what that movie kind of meant to us and stuff like that. So make sure you check us out on 88 Mile an Hour podcast. Make sure you check them out. Um, Subscribe to them. Um, Listen to them. Don't listen to them more than us, but listen to them. (laughs) Just kidding. They're good stuff. They do really good stuff. So uh, anyway, uh, I think that's the last of my announcements. John, did you have anything else before we, uh, I don't know, shoot our way into uh, 007 Goldeneye? No, that works. That works. All right. Well, then guess what, John? We are going to shoot our way (laughs) into Goldeneye from 1995. It's going to be fantastic. All right, GoldenEye, as I mentioned, from 1995. It is the 17th movie in the James Bond franchise. Holy crap, that's a lot. It was directed by Martin Campbell, who also directed The Mask of Zorro, Vertical Limit. He also directed uh, Casino Royale, so another movie in the Bond one, the Daniel Craig version. And um, this is the first Bond movie 
in the series to not utilize any story elements from uh, the works by Ian Fleming. Okay. So all the other movies had like some kind of aspect of the story pulled from one of the movie or one of the books that he had written. Uh, so this is the first one that didn't, which I thought was pretty interesting. This story was written by Michael France, um, who had some okay movie. Well, it's hard to call them okay movies. He had on his IMDb credits was this cliffhanger, um, the Fantastic Four, the one with um, Michael Chiklis and Jessica Alba, yeah. that one, uh, Ang Lee's Hulk, and The Punisher, the Thomas Jane Punisher. Mm. Um like these and those were his only credits. Oh, like this and Goldeneye was his only writing credits at all. Like I, there were no other credits that he did. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> um, interesting. But uh, uh, the music in this movie was done by Eric Serra, who we probably best know. He did the music in The Fifth Element as well as ah. Leon the Professional. So okay. some some solid solid 90s movies there um and then i want to call out the editor in this film terry rawlings uh, who is a fantastic editor he edited alien blade runner chariots of fire tons of other stuff oh so, nice really strong editor with that one so uh this film stars pierce brosnan as 007 james bond and we talked about him before in our mrs doubtfire episode mm-hmm. um and you know he's obviously probably most famous as james bond but he, for me, he's, you know, Mrs. Doubtfire and then also maybe Mamma Mia. Oh, <laughs> I've still else. never seen that. Oh, uh, it's because we're not ABBA fans. No. You know, we grew up in, we just don't give a crap about ABBA. <laughs> yeah. So, which was funny though. I know, I think we might've mentioned it before though, when we went to like a European wedding and like ABBA started coming on and all the European people <laughs> went out into the, onto the dance floor and all the Americans just kind of like sat back and like, what's going on? And it was like <laughs> ABBA hour where they played like nothing but ABBA hit after ABBA hit. And we're just like, okay. <laughs> yeah. It, so felt, it felt like it was a good solid, like 40 minutes of nothing but ABBA. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Um, and this is the first time that Pierce Brosnan uh, played James Bond. Um, this was his first, and he did four total movies as Bond. Okay. And then, Judy Dench plays M, who is the superior, who's the boss of MI6. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't really need to mention Dame Judy Dench all that much. She's a classic British British act- actress. She's been acting since the 50s and is maybe most famous as playing a weird CGI cat thing <laughs> in the movie Cats that looked really weird. <laughs> now, granted, I did not see that movie, and I, I have no interest in seeing it. I, I hope that's not what she's most famous for. <laughs> no, I think honestly, I think she's probably for me, and I think a lot of like bigger pop culture is probably most famous as M because yeah. uh, this this was the first time she played M, but she portrayed uh, M throughout the, all the Pierce Brosnan and the Daniel Craig movies. Yeah, so so she's been M for a good little bit, and actually, and this was the first time that that character, or not that character, but that position, I guess if you will, um, was portrayed by a female. Yeah, so that's pretty cool, and. She kills it. Oh, yeah. She fucking kills I it. love yeah. her as M. Absolutely. Um, and our antagonist, Alec Trevlin, uh, is played by Sean Bean, who most people would know him as Baromir from uh, The Fellowship of the Rings yeah. or Ned Stark in Game of Thrones. Yeah. And then Isabella Skorupko. She played Natalia Simon- Simonova. Uh, she was also in Vertical Limit um, and not much else that I recognized. And then Famke Jansen played Zinya Anatop. <laughs> you got every, every every female enemy 
and uh, yeah, James Bond's got to have uh, some weird sexual name. I mean, they even they even made a pun on it uh, in the movie. Yeah, um, but which we'll get to the yeah yeah, which is just cheesy. Uh, but we, I mean, I think you and I best know her as Jean Grey from oh, yeah. you know that early two thousands X Men series. Yeah. Before we get into the movie, I've got to talk about maybe the greatest movie tie-in game ever. The GoldenEye N64 game was absolutely fantastic. The, and, and it did a first player, not a first, it was a first player shooter for N64. And it had a, um, like a, you know, a, a solo run where you could play a campaign and you would kind of play out this movie. But what made that game special was the multiplayer. And it was even done as like an afterthought that you just kind of like fucking added it to the game. And it mm-hmm. blew up. Like this is the game that made first person shooters a fucking thing. Like, yeah. it, I mean, having parties and getting people together, having four friends, you know, playing on, you know, your old TVs, each getting your corner and yelling at them about, you know, don't you fucking do screen watching bastard. Don't you watch my thing. And, you know, and you have to run around these, you know, very you know, pixelated and, uh, you know, sharp corner looking um, <laughs> just maps. Yeah. But it was fantastic. I mean, we, I, we've talked about this game before, but like, uh, wh- what do you remember about GoldenEye, the, the N64 game? Um, I remember having a lot of friends uh, in high school. Yeah, it would have been high school at that point. Mm-hmm. Eh, maybe middle school, well, but probably mostly high school where that, you know, anyone who had mm-hmm. an N64 had to have that game or no one wanted to come over and play. So, yeah. Um, I always had to go somewhere else because we didn't own an N64. Yeah. But it was always True. fun to play. Um, it was yeah. one of the first console first-person shooters that I was exposed to. So it yeah. was. I have fond memories of it. I don't, I don't think I'd ever want to go back and play it because I, I fear that it wouldn't be as good yeah. now. I mean, it's not. I, I did actually play it maybe like two years ago. Uh, I, I played it like while I was working at a, a YouTube company um, because they had all the game consoles and that was one of the games. So I kind of popped it in and, and we did like a, you know, a four person shoot around, yeah. which I think I won cause I'm awesome at everything. <laughs> um, but it was, it was just a lot of fun. Uh, it was not, and it's not as good. Like I prefer, you know, modern controls and, and, you know, right. modern systems and just the way you look at stuff. And it's, it's, it's clunky, but it definitely is nostalgic. It takes you back. I, to me, I totally remember going over to my buddy Ray's house. He had it and we would play all the fucking time. It was so good. You know, and you get, and if you can get like that Moonraker laser gun, that was badass. Or if you're playing Golden Gun, that was always kind of yeah. fun. Um, it was just, it was super fucking fun, man. So, yeah, great game. All right. So let's uh, get into the movie. And we start off, obviously, with that iconic walkout, the turn and shoot. Um, I have no idea. I didn't do any research as to why that became such a thing or, like, you know, what it is about it. I still, to this day, have no idea what the hell, like, the the frame is. Like, the, you know, like, the... It, it's the inside you know of a gun. what I'm talking about. Is that what it is? Yeah, it's the inside of a gun. Okay, so you're looking through a camera. So it's, like, basically, like, your you're looking, lens you're is looking through the, barrel the inside of a gun. gun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then why does the blood go, like, inside of the gun? Because <sighs> <laughs> he shoot, because he turns and shoots whoever the guy is with the gun, but then the gun kind of, like, it wobbles, but then blood comes inside of the lens in front of the, the quote-unquote lens, if you will. Right. That just doesn't make you're, logical you're, sense. You're thinking way too much <laughs> about this. All right, fine. It's a Whatever. figurative representation. Okay, so, I mean, I haven't really seen too many Bond movies, and that's what I'm, you know, I think thought maybe it was a gun, but I couldn't really tell. 
Um, yeah. They just look like a little circle with some spirals. Well, that's and that's that what it, the so. the inside of a barrel is. The what they call the barreling is the spiraling, and that's what mm-hmm. makes the bullet rotate when it leaves the gun. Okay, and that helps keep it straighter. Yes, I mean they, that's when they they figured this out around the uh, around the Civil War because before you just put a ball in and it would just shoot, but it would not necessarily go straight. Sometimes it would veer off. So someone figured out that if you Instead of taking a ball, if you make it, you know, make a point, and then you you uh, spiral inside the barrel, it causes the bullet to spiral, which makes it go straighter. Okay. All right, and that was gun lessons with uh, John. John, uh, I'm gonna cool. I'm gonna have that a side pad cool. podcast coming up. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> anyway, so I got that figured out. Uh, we start off at the, at a dam. Um, which I thought was the Hoover Dam when I first saw it. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's not the Hoover Dam. It was some, it's some dam in Switzerland or something. But, okay. Um, but it's it's supposed to be – really, It's um, we see this guy. He uh, He's kind of running there. He he attaches you know this rope to it. He bungees off the dam, then shoots this grappling hook. And then at that moment, I'm like, okay, it's James Bond. <laughs> uh, and he kind of winches himself. He, uh, he, he's got his little gadgets and stuff like that. But apparently, it's a chemical weapons facility in the USSR yep. is where we're at. So he sneaks his way in and uh, via this toilet grate, which we get a nice little <laughs> cheesy line as he, you know, beats up this dude who's taking a crap. And he says, beg your pardon, forgot to knock. And he <laughs> just beats him up and he kind of moves in. I mean, the Bond movies are chock full of cheese. Uh, you, yeah. You can't. That's that's part of the appeal for a lot of people is just the cheese factor because or maybe it's not just cheese. It's camp. They're definitely yeah. campy. Yeah. Um, you know, it's some campy lines. It's some campy misogyny, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> a lot of it's that. like the cool. Yeah. Coolish gadgets. Definitely the cool cars. Yeah. And that's just that's just all about the mythos of James Bond. Mm-hmm. He's sneaking around. He meets up with this guy, 006, who is Alec Trevlin. And he's also a British spy. He's apparently undercover, you know, uh, in the Soviet regime. Um, and they start sabotaging this weapons facility. And, you know, there's gunfights that happen. Alec ends up getting captured. And they execute him right there in front of James Bond. Oh, shit. He's fucking dead. Uh, Bond uses um, the chemical weapons. I like how he uses, like, the chemical weapons for cover as he's getting yeah. out. He's like, if you shoot this shit, you're all going to die. Um, so I like how awkwardly silent that scene is as he's walking mm-hmm. Cause like they don't make it quick. They they draw yeah. that scene out with the squeaky wheel of the one thing as he goes across yeah. very slowly, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's just uh, I don't know. At first I was at first I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. But I think the fact that it went longer made me like it more because it was so awkwardly funny. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it was humorous, but it was also, you know, it kind of added to the tension yeah, of it all exactly. as well. So it, it worked well. It worked well. <laughs> and I did like the, the little scene with the, first of all, you would think soldiers would have uh, trigger discipline. to Aim? Well, not just aim. E- or trigger, trigger discipline yeah. to not accidentally fire at someone who was, I don't even know what was inside of that. Some sort of bad chemical that they knew wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Because immediately that one general turns around and shoots the guy. Yeah, you would think so. I mean, he's exactly, he's a soldier. He should do better than that. Um, but, I mean, and I mentioned they all suck at shooting, which they do, because Bond kind of escapes that room, and they have to chase him, and then they all, nobody can hit him. You know, one person running across a field, and, you know, a spray of bullets, and they're, they're like fucking Star Wars storm, stormtroopers, how bad these people are at shooting him. But, of course, <laughs> he turns without blindly looking, and just kind of, like, shoots and gets, like, a headshot. Like, eh. <laughs> that's just that's just part of it, as well. Part of the camp. is You get a nice little kind of dramatic and, you know, uber cool thing 
where he takes this motorcycle, he drives it to his, to fully escape. He drives off a cliff and then free dives <laughs> into a plane uh, and pulls it back up and escapes in the plane uh, as the bomb in the facility goes off. And it's just like, wow, this is, this is going to be like that. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. On the one hand, it's kind of unbelievably cheesy that that happens. Because first of all, if a plane is going and it's got the, the propeller going, you would think that you would not be able to catch up with a plane like that. Yeah. But it's a cool thing. I remember being in the theater, or, or and I remember seeing this in the theater. So I would have been, this is 95, so I'd have been about 14. So it's probably was like my freshman freshman year of high school. And uh, I remember being impressed with that scene at the time because I, I didn't watch a lot of James Bond. So sort of that spy action movie was not something I had seen a lot. Mm. So it was mm-hmm. a cool thing to see in the theater. Nowadays, you're like, that's not real. Yeah. <laughs> and you, I mean, you definitely can pick out the green screen and tell, you know, people on wires and stuff like that. Um, you know, the graphics in this movie don't really hold up. Granted, it is 1995, so yeah. um, try to give it some leeway. But yeah, I mean, it, that is one of the interesting things where in later Bond movies, the Daniel Craig ones, they push um, realism a lot more than, at least in, in the couple of them, they push realism a lot more than in these ones where this one is still a little bit of that old guard James Bond where, you know... You just kind of, he's, I mean, he's, he's a superhero. He can do whatever the heck he wants. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very similar to Indiana Jones, you know, same kind of thing. Indiana Jones can have a whole tribe of people shooting arrows behind him and every single person's going to miss and he'll run off into this, you know, yeah. uh, plane that's taking out. It's, it's no different. You know, it's, it's, it's an action superhero esque type of thing. Yeah. Which may, I'm gonna can I, I'm gonna go on a tiny little rant here, and I'm way late on this discussion <laughs> um, because I I should have brought this up during our Indiana Jones discussion. But um, you remember when like Martin Scorsese talks shit about the Marvel universe and Marvel Marvel movies? Yeah, that pissed me off. Okay, um, I mean we're both fans of Marvel movies and whatnot, but like in us really rewatching some of these classic films, like you know like a Bond movie or like. Very much, and I, and I want to use Indiana Jones specifically. Um, you know, Indiana Jones is, uh, and specifically Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, is lauded as a great film, mm-hmm. like, you know, in filmmaking. But you watch it, it is just as unbelievable as any fucking superhero movie. Yeah. Like, the, the things that he gets away with is just impossible. You know, he he cannot die because he's got all of this plot armor right. that just keeps like, you know, uh, just because it's fine. It's not going to, you know, he'll get through it, whatever. That is no different than any of our super. Like, it, it is rewatching that movie made me realize this is exactly like every other superhero movie I've ever seen. It's just, you know, he doesn't, you know, he's not wielding Mjolnir <laughs> or he doesn't have a shield or some shit like that. You know, he's got his little whip. Right. <laughs> um, but all of the plot points and all of like the th- amazing things he does is literally no different than any superhero movie I've ever seen. So it kind of bothered me mm-hmm. thinking that like, you know, oh, Martin Scorsese will you know, hold up these other films, you know, I, I don't imagine, he didn't specifically say he loves Indiana Jones, but I imagine he respects it probably more than, uh, than James, than the Marvel movies. And it just, it just pisses me off because it's the exact same type of thing. Okay. So, all right. Soapbox down, um, <laughs> back to James Bond. Where were we? Oh yeah. he got himself back into the plane and, he, <laughs> and he's fine. All right. Well, that, I mean, that was a huge rant, but it kind of, kind of made sense in my head. All yeah. right. So then from there, we go into the opening credits, um, which is, you know, this is a Bond institution. You know, you're getting a very separate whole, like, 
animated y kind of or or you know kind of very stylistic right um opening credit scene uh and we get a classic bond or we get you know a bond song which is a, a classic thing and this song is called golden eye by tina turner And it's pretty good. Um, it's actually, it's written by Bono and The Edge, so I'm kind of curious as to why they wrote it but didn't perform it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Tina Turner's voice is better for I Bond agree. than you 2 Yeah. <laughs> I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bond, James Bond. Uh, yeah, that wouldn't have really worked. It, I kind of like the song. In general, I thought the song was pretty decent. So yeah, I've I've liked. Uh, I think Tina Turner's done a couple of Bond movies, hasn't she? Mm, probably. Yeah, probably. I was gonna say I like I like her voice for the James Bond sort of franchise. I think it works well. Yeah, I want to. Oh, you know what? I want to say that she did like Thunderball or something, but I'm probably just thinking of Thunderdome. Yeah, you are. Because <laughs> she was in Thunderdome. Um, but the whole stylistic, you know, opening credits—they're um, very fitting. Uh, you know, very similar to other Bond films. Uh, you know, those credits that I've seen. Um, you get some weird shit. You know, like people opening mouths and guns coming out. I mean, it's all part of the weird style. It's it's a it's a very ethereal, drug induced kind of thing. Honestly, yeah. when you're looking at these things, so. Um, a lot of a lot of ladies dancing, and, and I definitely noticed some mostly naked lady dancing. You know, and then they get you know they get stylized with stuff, but it, yeah. it works. It works. It has cheese, has camp, but it works. Yeah. So Bond is driving some sweet ass car. Nine years later, he's got some lady with him uh, who's doing like an evaluation. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure who the lady is. I don't I don't think it really matters. It doesn't really come into play. But he starts getting in a you know like a street race with this hottie in a Ferrari. Mm-hmm. Who we, who I notice as Famke Jansen, and we'll find out who she is later. Um, we get you know, just it's cheesy music going on. Uh, they have a whole little spiel of them, uh, you know, racing around. And at the end of it, he's just with this lady who is in the car with him, and he just he starts making out with her, like this evaluator <laughs> lady who's not really doing her job too well, and they're just making out. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that that was the Aston Martin, wasn't it? That he was driving. Uh, maybe it could have been. Could have been uh, you know one of the Aston Martins. I am I, I, I am don't. not a car guy, so asking me to to recognize a car by sight is, eh, is a not a, I, not. I like I can Aston do. Martins, but I don't I don't know. I really wasn't paying attention. I was just more like I don't know. I was taking my notes and whatnot. I didn't really kind of call out which cars were which, but it probably was. I feel like half the cars he drives are, are Aston Martin DB whatever. Um, like the DB9 and DB whatever are like super sexy cars. Aston Martins are good looking cars, so. But I don't know which one it was. It probably was. So we then kind of cut to this casino, and we see the Ferrari lady there. Her name is Zinya on the top. Um, and she, they're kind of playing cards back and forth. He ends up kind of winning this big hand. Um, and, you know, as they as they kind of talk afterwards, we get some classic stuff. He, you know, it happens every single movie. Uh, he orders his martini. Vodka martini. Shaken. Not stirred. And he also says his name the way he says his name. The name's Bond. James Bond. They're kind of 
talking and flirting. We're just kind of getting to know a little bit about that. Uh, he ends up, you know, obviously she's a mark for him because he's following her, trying to find out more about her. Then we get a very interesting scene where we see Anatop very aggressively, like, fucking this dude. Um, and, like... <laughs> You know, she's on top, like squeezing him, and like, and then she she uses her very powerful thighs and kills him. <laughs> she like, suffocates him to death. What gets me is, and I, and I think it is what makes her an interesting villain. I'm not going to say a good villain or a bad villain, just an interesting villain. Yeah, is how much she gets off on other people's suffering. Zendia, I can't breathe. <sighs> holy shit john i mean famka jansen played that up hard and we see it throughout this entire movie but like whether she's in pain or she's giving pain to someone else like she she gets physical pleasure from that Yes. You know, or, or even like the anticipation of pain. And she <laughs> she plays it very, um, I don't know, bluntly, where she's just like, yeah, yeah, it, it is. Uh, it's interesting, I say. And I would agree. It, it doesn't make it a good villain, but it definitely adds some kind of interesting element to her. And uh, just for the record, that was a Aston Martin DB5 that he was. OK, raising. I thought I remember hearing DB5 in there somewhere. So yeah. cool. Um, all right, so she heads to this other boat that we see, like, this cool-looking stealth helicopter being shown on it. Um, she ends up killing the pilots and sneaks on and steals the plane uh, with this other kind of general dude. So uh, we then cut to Russia, and we meet uh, Natalia Simonova. Uh, we also meet Boris, who's played by Alan Cumming, who Alan Cumming will again work with Famke Jensen's later mm-hmm. in, uh, obviously, X2, um, because he's Nightcrawler, super awesome, we like him. And he's kind of fun in this movie. I like him. He's yeah. enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, he's a fun hacker nerd. Um, but they're at like this, I don't know, like a hacker facility or some Russian facility thing that I guess controls It controls stuff. The uh, it, Well, it the controls gold. the, the Golden Eye. Yeah. So Golden Eye, the name of the movie, uh, it what we find out, I guess, in just a little bit or we find out later, Golden Eye is this older USSR weapon. Like an, it's an EMP weapon. Basically, yeah. it's a satellite-ish, you know, out there that you know can shoot big EMP blasts and really fuck up towns. Yeah, or fuck up whatever. On a top ends up killing everybody, and yeah, she's getting she's getting off, and she's doing it. <laughs> we can see, we're gonna see that a lot. Um, so they uh, arm, you know, that weapon, the the golden eye weapon, and. Natalia, you know, she's she wasn't in the room where everyone else got killed uh, and she's off and she escapes kind of or she hides. And um, at we cut to MI6 headquarters, uh, we see we meet Moneypenny. Um, you know, they they apparently got like this distress signal from her from um, Natalia or whatever, just the overall like an overall distress signal they found out from um, that facility. Uh, where they do kind of see a satellite image of the helicopter. So like, okay, cool. We know we got to go check that out. And we meet M, uh, which is great. Judy Dench pops in. Love her to death. Not going to lie in this mm-hmm. film. We see the GoldenEye weapon, you know, being used to basically do a big EMP blast to kind of destroy the facility a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, Natalia's still in it. Uh, we see these, you know, jet planes crash in there. Um, it, we get some bad looking models, honestly, when they yeah. crash and stuff like that. Yeah, that was pretty bad. It was subpar. Like, you know, a lot of other models that I look at 
I don't really notice that they're models. You know, even watching some of the older stuff, uh, you know, I, I don't notice all too bad. This one, I picked it out pretty quickly. Yeah. So Natalia somehow survives this whole thing, and I see that she, she found, like, a dog sled, and she can get out of there. <laughs> so um, M and Bond talk in M's office, and I just – you got to call out how much of a badass that Judy Dench is. Um, even in the world of, of James Bond and in MI6 right now, she is apparently the first like female M. Right. Um, they, they kind of call that out. And so she's, she's just overall though, she's like ruthless. Yeah. She's awesome. And we see that actually even later with, you know, with Judy Dench and like some of the Daniel Craig stuff as well. I love that she calls him out for being like an old school asshole and just, <laughs> you know, a, a sexist douche. Right. Like, I think that's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Because I think you're a sexist, misogynist dinosaur, a relic of the Cold War, whose boyish charms, though wasted on me, obviously appeal to that young woman I sent out to evaluate you. Point taken. Not quite, 007. If you think for one moment I don't have the balls to send a man out to die, your instincts are dead wrong. I've no compunction about sending you to your death. But I won't do it on a whim, even with your cavalier attitude towards life. We later cut to some Russian military leader meeting, um, you know, just like a I guess, group of Russian people. We see the general who kind of set the destruction of that uh, facility of that GoldenEye hacker facility or whatever. Um, he finds out about uh, that Natalia is still alive. We then meet Q, who is played by Desmond uh, Lewin. And, you know, Q is the guy who gives Bond all of his gadgets. And there's a, it's a cute little scene of them just going over a couple of different things yeah. like this cool little pen explosive, other th- stuff as well. Um, Lewin, uh, he has appeared in 17 Bond movies. Yeah, his first one was Goldfinger way back in 1964. Crazy. He's been in more Bond movies than any other actor. Yeah. Which, and he's, he's worked with five different James Bonds. So that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, so we see that Bond heads to Russia, uh, and we meet this guy, uh, the CIA agent Wade, who's just kind of I don't know, he's almost like a U.S. stereotype. In my yeah. Opinion. Yeah. I kind of saw it like that too. <laughs> like this Texasy good old boy kind of guy or whatever he is, <laughs> but it's just kind of interesting. And they kind of go over some intel. Um, we also we then see Boris have no idea how the hell Boris survived. That was just kind of like wait, wait, what happened here? Yeah. Um, but him and Natalia. Uh, they're chatting over the internets, um, but they kind of find each other and they agree to meet. But when they do meet, Boris is apparently like sold her out. Anatop is there. So obviously Boris was working with the general and Anatop this whole time. Yeah. At this club where uh, Bond goes and wants to meet with this guy, uh, Valentine, um, to kind of get some intel, uh, who is played by Robbie Coltrane, who everybody should recognize him as Hagrid if you've seen the Harry Potter movies. Yeah. But he's kind of like a, I don't know, like a like a former KGB agent who's now like a mobster guy. Right. And we also see Minnie Driver there is like one of his girls who's singing a terrible <laughs> rendition of Stand By Your Man, yeah. the uh, Tammy Wynette song. I forgot that was Minnie Driver. 
I saw her and I was like, what the fuck is Minnie Driver doing in this movie? <laughs> you know, she's a big enough actor. She must have not been all that big at the time because I'm like, is she going to come back? Like, you know, she's she's it's kind of weird to just drop Minnie Driver on me like that. And then she's gone. And yeah, she was. So it must have been, I guess, early enough in her career. So Bond makes a deal with Valentine um, to he's trying to get to this crime syndicate that he hears about Janice that is doing this stuff. You know, pretty much what we see on a top and uh, and the general you know, just making, creating havoc. Mm-hmm. Um, then all of a sudden, Bond is at a bathhouse. No idea. <laughs> he just kind of like, he's just there. And then Onatop is there. And they have this weird fight sex scene thing. Yeah. It's well, strange. I'm not going to lie. It was really fucking strange for me. I just, I just, I didn't, it just, it just felt weird. Apparently, Famke Jansen broke a rib during that fight scene. I mean, he kind of chucks her around. Yeah. Yeah, like throw, slams her against like some uh, uh, some walls and stuff. And then but. like some weird guy comes in that he, you know, he, he throws something at him or something like that. But I'm like, wh- where, who is this guy and why did he come in? I mean, all of it, yeah. I mean, maybe maybe Valentine said to go to this bathhouse and I just wasn't paying attention or taking a note. But I, just the whole thing, I was like, wait, where did this come into play? But that, <laughs> that maybe that had to be the case. Um, but yeah, it's, again, she's enjoying the fight immensely and she has oh my god just some obviously very powerful thighs like that's 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 her thing yeah you know where a lot of other bond girls have stuff um it's her she can she can thigh you to death <laughs> and that's what she's trying to do um, but at the end of it bond pulls a gun on her and he has her take him you know to the janice headquarters or to janice as he calls it so uh we're at this communist statue graveyard you know statues of lenin and stuff like that not not john lenin but vladimir lenin stuff like that and out walks bum 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 alec trevlin 006 he's alive john what i knew this twist going in even though i you know didn't really remember the movie or hadn't really seen this part but it's a good good interest good twist now granted i still don't really get it was he working with the the people who shot him or did they or was it a blank or what? Yeah, my, oh my, I'm, I mean, I'm speculating. My speculation is, is I mean, they obviously knew they were coming because he's the bad guy, so he would have warned them. Yeah. So I'm sure the gun that he was being held with had a blank, so it was, it was all for Bond's benefit. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So that was that case. Um, and we learned that he's a descendant from the Cossacks. Uh, who collaborated with the Axis powers? It really doesn't mean anything. Doesn't really come back either. I don't know why that was a thing. No. Uh, maybe just because that's why he wanted to work with, you know, or why he joined this group or whatever. Maybe he was always from it. And uh, Bond gets shot with a tranquilizer dart. Okay. Uh, and then Bond wakes up in a helicopter and he's strapped to it. And you know the its missiles were going to about to you know shoot off and come back and explode the helicopter. He ends up headbutting the helicopter to start <laughs> and ends up ejecting the two of them before the that stealth helicopter that was you know taken earlier to blow up. I mean it wouldn't be a bond film if they weren't in some sort of overly <sighs> elaborate way of dying. Yeah. I mean you you can't you can't I mean it's it's a tradition at this point and I know it's dumb but you can't be mad at it because it it I'm, is the I'm thing. mad at it. <laughs> it is the thing. It's I'm so it's, it's what bond mad movies are it. known for. It's it's part of the camp. It's known for stupidity, like stupid villains. 
Like, that's a bad thing, because also in, like, the movie Spectre, which I watched, and I'm only call, calling that one out because it's one of the few that I that I did see um, of the Daniel Craig ones, and they has a, he has a dumb moment like this as well, where he's kind of like, Spectre, Blowfield, leaves Bond in this, you know, thing that's going to blow up, and he flies away, and he's like, you've got four minutes, Bond, you'll never make it, ha ha ha, and he flies away, and of course Bond makes it, and it's just like, Ed, you had Bond, in this movie, you had Bond tranquilized. Shoot him in the fucking head. <laughs> You're what is what is the point of keeping him alive right here? Especially because later on, all he does is complain like, "Oh, why is Bond still alive? Oh man, he's really hard to kill." Yeah, you had your fucking chance. One bullet is like twenty cents. You could have fucking shot him. <laughs> oh, that yeah. I mean, ugh, is this why so you don't? Bad. Is this why you don't watch a lot of Bond movies? It's. Part of the reason, I'm not going to lie, it's part of the reason, um, because it just, it frustrates me to no end when it's just, just the dumbest villains. <laughs> so, uh, all right, so obviously they uh, they got out of that whole thing, but they got cop- captured by um, the Russians, um, and these are not the, you know, the, the Janus evil Russians, these are just um, uh, the, the regular Russians. Which kind of confused me at first. At first, I was like, "Oh wait, so why is he just captured now by the same group that tried to blow him up?" Like it just—it was all just took me a minute to kind of get get my bearings, but right. I got my bearings. Okay. Bond and Natalia uh, meet, kind of like they're in this holding cell, and uh, you know, she she they kind of they she lets him know what she knows and vice versa or whatever. Um, then we see this uh, you know this other dude kind of comes in, but. Uh, this minister of defense or whatever the hell he was. I don't even remember. Um, but he ends up getting shot by the g- evil general who's a part of the Janus group. Um, and, you know, he comes in and, uh, you know, he's trying to frame Bond by shooting them. And instead of just kill again, he could have just killed Bond right then and there. But they, <laughs> they end up fighting and there's a whole gunfight. Bond escapes. But Natalia is initially captured at this point. Mm-hmm. So she's taken. That is, uh, we see, then, then we get... The coolest chase scene <laughs> yeah. in the movie, I think. You get Bond who steals this tank, and you know you just get uh, that sweet Bond music. Like the classic Bond music goes right. on as he as he's chasing the car that uh, the general is with Natalia and whatnot as they're fleeing, um, and he's got this fucking Russian tank following him with it, and it, it's just it is pretty fucking cool. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie, they, there's mayhem, destruction all over the streets, but it's fun stuff. I do remember being genuinely surprised when the tank busts through the wall um, in that scene, mm-hmm. like the very first time I saw this in the theater. You know, you see him look at the tank, and then you see this camera, and you don't expect it. I mean. At my at the t- age that I watched yeah. this, I didn't expect it. I hadn't seen enough of those movies. I mean, now I watched it. First of all, I knew it was coming. But second, you watch the way they frame it. Yeah. If the center of the uh, or if whatever is supposed to be in focus is not in the center of the frame, you know you're supposed to be looking for something that's going to happen behind or to the side. Mm-hmm. And you know now I knew to look for that, even though I knew ahead that 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 was going to happen. You can just tell by the way they framed it. But I remember being in high school and like. Being genuinely surprised, like, oh shit, they just Kool Aid man the shit out of that. <laughs> yeah, they did. It was it was a cool shot. It was it was a cool moment. Yeah. I would agree. Uh, my my only complaint was I actually thought that the the chase scene actually lasted a little too long. I would agree with you there. My kind of only ish complaint is so 
you know, he's being chased and, you know, all these Russians are kind of shooting at him and kind of chasing him down. Um, and, he, you know, he's, you know, rolling over these Russian guys and, you know, like they're getting, you know, having to jump over bridges or other shit right. like that. Like, but I don't at this moment, you know, I don't, I don't really hate the Russians. You know, the USSR is disbanded. These aren't really the bad guys. Right. It's the Janus group that is the bad guys. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm not honestly happy that he's like pretty much killing some of these Russians because right. they're not they're not bad Russians. They're just doing their job. Russians yeah. like they're not they're not they, they're not even the Janus people. Right. You know. So anyway, the general uh, takes Natalia to this kind of interesting, cool looking train. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what they yeah, they escape on. Um, and Alec is there. Uh, and so, again, the first thing I thought when Alec sees Natalia, why does he keep her alive? Why doesn't he just fucking shoot her in the head? Yeah, I mean, she serves no purpose. I mean, for him. He says later she's a bargaining chip. It, this is the only thing that I'll allow. Right. Because he kind of even says that, you know, like, okay, when Bond comes and get him, he gets him, he can use her as a hostage. So, okay, that's fine. It wouldn't it wouldn't be the way I would do it. I can tell you, if, um, if I was in his position, I would just shoot her right in the head immediately. I would have done the same to James Bond earlier, but whatever. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, so Bond uses the tank uh, to stop the train, which is kind of cool. You know, he shoots the train with the tank and then, you know, he keeps it on the tracks that it has to hit it and derails it. Famkin Jansen gives a, you know, on the top gives a very interesting look uh, when she's like, he's going to use the tank to derail the train. And she has a very, uh, yeah, sexualized look at it. I mean, it's it's getting her sexually excited. <laughs> <laughs> like this, this, this fight, which is so strange. Uh, but it's, you know, it's, it's, in- it is interesting. Yeah. So uh, they have a whole standoff on the train. Bond ends up killing that general. Um, but Alec and on top escape. Uh, but before they leave, uh, Alec had set a bomb to go off in uh, six minutes. So now Natalia and Bond have to try and get out there before they can. So, But N- what Natalia has to do is she wants to try and hack Boris's computer to try and figure out where he is because she knows he's the key to finding you know, them and finding the whole GoldenEye stuff. Um, so she's like... Hacking that, he she kind of quickly figures out he's in Cuba because he uses all of his passwords as riddles. That's real smart. <laughs> you know, he even tells people these riddles. He doesn't even put like a number or a special right. character in there. <laughs> like, honestly, in today's society, I'd say 95% of, you know, your regular like fucking Facebook and other stupid simple places wouldn't even allow the the password that he does right. because they're too they're too easily hackable. Yeah. <laughs> you know, after they escape the train and the bomb blows off, Natalia and Bond make out because apparently trains blowing up makes people horny? I, 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 if, is that a thing? <laughs> <laughs> nothing nothing uh, spices up your life like almost being killed. Yeah, I mean, which is true. Adrenaline is going, but like usually you might wait till you come down a bit, but they they just start making out pretty hard right there on the ground so that was interesting in cuba they're hunting for boris uh we see wade is there um you know he kind of uh, gives uh some information and some gadgets and shit to um to bond i think he gives him like you know like the clicky pen and some other other q inventions and shit like that and then for no reason at all we get this sexy scene on the beach yeah, honestly, I think I think this entire scene was meant to just see Natalia in a bikini. Yeah, I don't think there was any reason for it. You know, it, it maybe it showed a little emotional connection between her and Bond, but we didn't really need that. We've kind of already seen that with just, you know, them making out and stuff like that. Um, but it literally was just, hey, here's an attractive lady in a white bikini. Enjoy. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it seems it, it does make it seem like you know the executives are like, well, it's not Bond unless they're in a bikini. Well, we're in Russia in the wintertime. Yeah. We can't do that. Well, yeah. have them go somewhere else. <laughs> exactly to Cuba. Huzzah! <laughs> Huzzah! Uh, all right, so they take a plane and fly it to this remote spot in Cuba, and their plane gets shot down by a missile. Um, of course, they survive. Um, but Anna Top is there. She pops in, you know, through this helicopter and, you know, we get another weird, sexy fight thing. And he ends up killing her uh, by having, you know, the a helicopter, you know, kind of wire attached to her while the helicopter's flying away. As opposed to like probably ripping her body in half, which it would have. She just kind of gets squished yeah. by the pressure um, of the of being against this tree. Uh, and we get a cheesy ender line where he says, She always did enjoy a good squeeze. <laughs> Hilarious, don't you see? Because she squeezed people to death with her thighs. She is. You got it? Yeah, I get it. Yeah. All right. So, <laughs> so a, sec- a secret base emerges from under this lake, um, you know, very Bond fashion where just this base all of a sudden starts coming up or, you know, the sink or the, the lake kind of starts being drained. And we see this massive satellite to go talk to the golden eye, the golden eye weapon. Yeah. Alec and Boris are going to use this GoldenEye weapon on London. He's going to, yeah. you know, fuck up all of London. Which, that that big satellite is actually in Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. It's an observation satellite. Oh, okay. It's the same one you see in the movie Contact. You remember Contact? With, with, oh, yeah, yeah. With, I uh, do remember Contact. With uh, uh, Jody. Was it Jody Foster? Jody Foster, yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Big Contact. Way to go, Puerto Rico. <laughs> I guess still, way to go, U.S. Yeah. <laughs> I assume it's, you know, it's all of us. Anyway, but the the whole plan is they're going to steal money. Ultimately, they're going to steal money um, beforehand and, you know, fuck up things with London and whatnot. He's basically like a thief. Um, you know, same kind of rip off Die Hard. Pretty much. <laughs> kind of. Uh, <laughs> kind of. I'm an exceptional thief. Yeah, he's exactly. He didn't say that line. I know. But you could tell he was thinking I was it. waiting for it. I almost wanted it. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty cool. <laughs> Pretty close to it. Um, Bond and Natalia get into the base. Uh, he gets captured, but he does kind of set some explosives at some point, which end up getting turned off. Um, again, Alec has Bond right in front of him. Shoot him in the face. <laughs> right fucking now. I don't get it. Natalia sets some encryption or something that's going on, um, but she also gets caught. And uh, we see that, you know, she kind of set the golden eye satellite to kind of crash and burn go in, in orbit or some shit like that. We see Boris, you know, who's doing all of his hacker stuff. Right. You know, he's trying to get the satellite back together. He's he's doing some cool stuff with this pen. He just loves flipping stuff with his yeah. pen. I don't. Did you do we did we see him doing that before? Because I don't remember him doing that before. Yeah, I don't. That's I, I don't remember him doing that in the other scene, or if he did do it, it wasn't something they did a close-up of, so it wasn't like yeah. if, it wasn't in you know enough in my memory to, right. to actually remember that that happened. Then it would have made. I'm sure he yeah. did, but it was not in a way to make it obvious to the audience that this is something you need to pay attention to because it's going to come back. Yeah, later. which they should have done. Um, I think we you know with a little bit of more you know just just the proper thing there would have, in my opinion, would have been to. Make that more of an obvious, like, oh, look what he does with pens, because that is exactly, that's going to come back, and it's more important. Yeah. Um, because he's, he found this pen, you know, that was confiscated from Bond, which we know is the pen that Q set off. If you click a certain amount of times, it blows up. Right. So he's just filling with it. And he's 
fiddling with it was super cool. Like I do enjoy <laughs> watching that. That was it was it was it was a well edited kind of very you know he had a lot of tension with that scene because he's like clicking it. You're like oh my god is he cl- clicking it the right amount of times? Oh oh what's moving? And it was editing very fast because he was also doing hacker shit at the same time. So it was all pretty cool. Yeah. But eventually Bond is able to get the pen and and he chucks it and blows some shit up and and uses it and escapes. You know he he knows now that they have to kind of destroy the antenna or whatever so to, to fuck up the golden eye weapons before it can do anything. So we get a chase scene slash, you know, fight gunfight scene between Alec and bond. Um, all this also while Boris, you know, is trying to regain access to the satellite uh, and reset the golden eye weapon, you know, bond is able to kind of fuck up the antenna a little bit. And so, you know, so that way it won't move to the correct coordinates. Um, he's doing all this while Alec is shooting at him and they're shooting at each other. And, <laughs> you know, for trained people, they're missing quite a bit. We also get a, it's pro- maybe it's iconic. I feel like I remember seeing it before like this, you know, they fight on this ladder like this, you know, they have this whole little like, you know, ladder fight scene yeah. kind of thing where he's atop of him trying to kick him down and shit like that. Eventually Bond, uh, you know, gets the upper hand and he drops Alec all the way down on this satellite, which seems like it is stories, like multiple stories down, but he survives, I know. which I thought was kind of weird. That I thought that was weird because, I mean, that should have been one that would have been enough to kill him. Oh, yeah. I mean, His blood, well, he'd have been just splattered all over that fucking satellite. Yeah. And I mean, and then what happens next seems so unnecessary. Yeah, it's just like it's like overkill. Yeah, you know, it, it legitimately, it's overkill. It's <laughs> overkilling Alec. Um, the you know the GoldenEye satellite blows up. Um, you know the antenna thing. You know also kind of blows up and it ends up falling on him. So someone who was already should have been dead and pretty much was gonna be stuck there and die anyway. Now he gets this whole, you know, fucking thing that falls on him. So he's for sure dead now. Right. <laughs> Boris, who's been kind of funny. Uh, he somehow survives a little bit and he's all yay you know oh he survived and then he ends up getting chemically frozen to death yeah. which is uh, kind of a funny scene yeah. i liked that yes i am invincible i was waiting for him to like randomly explode or something yeah yeah that, that like 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 terminator 2 yeah <laughs> That would totally should have happened. Bond and Natalia, of course, through other expo- ex, uh, explosives and whatnot, it gets you hot. So they start making out. It's what they do. But we see Wade, the CIA guy, is there with a bunch of ghillie suit Marines who really didn't do shit other than get Bond and Natalia out. But it was kind of funny. I like I like when they popped up. It was just like, yep, they're badasses. Yep. They fly off, and it's the end of the movie. We get credits, and we get this slow song playing. It's uh, it's by Eric Serra, who did the music, and it's called The Experience of Love. I know you dream of love Holding on to lies And you wait around And the song really kind of sucked to me. <laughs> yeah, it was a little yeah. cheesy 90s. Yeah, it was a little cheesy 90s. All right. Um, so that is Goldeneye. And John, how about, since you've actually seen this whole thing before, how about you tell us uh, your thoughts on the film? I enjoyed going back to rewatch it. Now you see a lot of sort of issues with with the movie itself as far as you know some of the special effects. And mm-hmm. I've never been the biggest James Bond fan of the movies although I love the idea of James Bond you know this very suave 
you know, super spy. I mean, he uses, first of all, I didn't talk about this because every time I talk about firearms, you make fun of me for it. I don't know. No. <laughs> but James Bond has has always it. used one iconic pistol, the small little pistols, the Walther PPK. It's the one you almost mm-hmm. see in almost every movie he's ever done. In fact, I don't know if it was after this one or the next one. For I think the, the, the three of the four movies that Pierce Brosnan did, he actually switched to a different gun. And then when Daniel Craig mm-hmm. came back, they went back to the Walther PPK because it's just so iconically James Bond. Yeah, I don't I don't care for that gun. I think it it, it, it I mean it, it's a gun, so it'll it'll hurt <laughs> you, obviously, but I don't know. Not to say it doesn't look manly. It just doesn't look cool to me. I just don't think it looks cool. Okay. Well, I mean it's it's been in use for a long it time. Is, it is iconic though. It's an iconic Bond film. Yes. Yeah, a Bond gun. So and But you put that up against fucking Dirty Harry's uh Smith and Wesson or whatever the hell it was, like big Magnum forty four. Right. Yeah, I'll take Dirty Harry any day, baby. <laughs> Go America. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> But, um, oh shit, see, now I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> oh, I apologize. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, you know, he had a Walter Walter PPK. Well, I, well, I'm just talking about uh, James Bond. I like that. I like, you know, that he's got, you know, even for however weird you think it is, he's got this iconic, you know, pistol, this weapon he always uses. Um, often you see it with a suppressor on it. But I like the idea. It's just not, none of the movies have ever done anything for me to make me love the character. Yeah, I think if I really wanted to watch someone uh, who was a secret agent who had all kinds of gadgets, I would just watch Inspector Gadget. <laughs> bum ba dum ba dum. Fair enough. I totally see why people enjoy the Bond, this Bond film, and the Bond franchise. I think this fits really well with a lot of the other yeah. Bond movies, and it's just it's slightly it's up- fun for sure. Yeah, it's got some good stuff to it. Pierce Brosnan makes a solid Bond. You know, he's got mm-hmm. a great bond look to him i agree i would totally agree with that i did not care for this movie at all <laughs> honestly i thought it it not to say it sucked but i just did not care for it and i i don't care for a lot of the campiness mm-hmm. i don't care for a lot of like the un the lack of realism i think that's probably why i like i legitimately really like casino royale because i think that is just a good action movie mm-hmm. where this is a bond film this is a campy Bond film, and I just don't care for it. So I'm sorry, Joseph. I know, man, you 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 paid for us to <laughs> review this movie, and we're just we're just not that big of fans. And I straight up hope I hope to never watch another Bond movie, <laughs> even the next Daniel Craig movie. I don't give a fuck about. I've seen all the Daniel Craig ones, and I've lost my appeal because Spectre sucked. And I'm just like, you know, because I, I think they kind of went back to a lot of like the cheese and stuff. Yeah. And so I'm just like, I'm fucking done with Bond. I don't care for it. I want to stay away from it. And I hope no other patron pays us to watch another Bond movie because I'm just, that's the only way I'll do it is if I get paid to do it. Do you hear that patrons? That's a challenge. Yeah. (laughs) We need to get, you need to get your friends on the patron train. Uh, because because we're gonna do it. You pay for it. We'll do it. It don't matter. Yeah, but it no, I'm, don't matter. I'm not doing it. <laughs> yeah, it's the only way. I'm not doing it. Besides that, so um, eh. before we eh. before we end this, I do want to uh, mention this because this is Joseph's pick. Um, and one of the yeah. things uh, that and I'm gonna plug them there for this. We're both patron members for their podcast. But one of the things you can do yep. at a certain level is they have this sort of uh, system that they use for comparing their DC and Marvel characters so that when they battle them, they use just statistics Mm -hmm. to determine who wins. You know, they they don't want it to be, you know, a fan vote or anything like that. So uh, if you're a certain patron member, you can suggest any character. And it doesn't have to be Marvel DC. It could be anyone. 
So knowing that we were going to talk about this and something I was interested in myself, I asked him who would win in a fight between James Bond and Jason Bourne. Now, just knowing off the top of your head, Jason Bourne obviously has some better fighting skills. I much prefer the Jason Bourne movies. I think they're great action movies. Yeah. I love them. Yeah. But James James Bond has got the gadgets, man. He has the gadgets. Um, but I had Joseph run the numbers, and he ran the numbers for us. And in a, in a series of 1,000 matches, uh, Jason Bourne won 55% of the time. So, yeah. so it's pretty close. It's not bad. You know, 55 to 45. James Bond's, I think his gadgets help, but... Um, it, Jason Bourne's uh, fighting style just gives him a little bit of an extra edge. So if you've ever yeah. wondered who would win a fight between Jason Bourne and James Bond, it's going to be Jason Bourne. Science has said it's it's yeah. canon. <laughs> Science. I mean, I love that they use math for that stuff. It's yeah. totally cool. Math is cool, kids. <laughs> All right, so now we're going to talk about James Bond Jr. Uh, This is a cartoon that aired from 1991 to 1992, a total of 65 episodes. Um, And the name James Bond Jr. was actually uh, first used in a 1967 spinoff novel called The Adventures of James Bond Jr. 003 and a half, which is kind of cute. (laughs) But that was a, an Ian Fleming book. I think he used a pseudonym for it. Um, but it is so it's kind of you know they, no the cartoon isn't canon with uh, within James Bond series, but right. you know at least it did kind of come from an Ian Fleming thought process. Yeah, it stars uh, Corey Burton as James Bond Junior. Bond, James Bond Junior. I we must have talked about him before. Because he played Dale in Chip and Dale's Rescue Rangers. Yeah, we've talked about Corey Burton, I feel like, a couple times. Probably, because I didn't realize just how fucking much stuff he's in. Yeah. He was Moliere in the Atlantis movie. He's Hugo Strange in the Arkham Asylum games. He's Count Dooku in, like, the entirety of the Clone Wars uh, TV show, that cartoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brainiac in the Superman, the animated series. Um, he's just done tons of stuff. He was a name I didn't recognize, but I'm like, holy shit, you have done tons of yeah. stuff. He's got over 400 acting credits on IMDb. Yeah, very impressive. Um, And James Bond Jr. is the, you know, this character is the nephew of the original James Bond. (laughs) Um, That's kind of, I I thought that was kind of strange that he's got the... uh, The junior title? For being a nephew. Yeah. And also for like being an MI6 agent, you wouldn't really think you would tell your brother or sister, um, you know, and your (laughs) nephew about your secret spy agency. I feel like that would be a, a liability you know, yes. if you were a spy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I do like that he kind of says, he does the whole Bond, James Bond, Junior. <laughs> he says it the exact same way, and then he adds the little Junior at the end, which is just yes. just kind of cute. Jeff Bennett plays IQ. Oh, Horace Boothroyd, actually. Uh, but my friends call me IQ. Kind of the, the nerdy sidekick who is actually the grandson of Q, who is the, obviously the tech genius of the Bond franchises. We've talked about Jeff Bennett before. Uh, he was Duke LaRange in the Mighty Ducks cartoon. Mm-hmm. He was Brooklyn in the Gargoyles cartoon. And he probably maybe most famously was the voice of Johnny Bravo. Yeah. Um, in the show Johnny Bravo. For our character of Gordo, it's a guy named 
Jan Rabson or Robson or Jan Robson. Yeah, catch you later. Like I feel a tubular wave coming on. And he did uh, some voices or did a voice in the movie Bugs Life. But he's to me, he's probably best known as uh, Tetsuo in the 1988 film Akira, which is that really sweet anime um, motorcycle film. And Tetsuo is the main like antagonist in that film. Um, it's it's pretty it's pretty badass. Uh, so that's what he's, I think, best known for. But Gordo is like this, I don't know, surfer idiot dude. He's apparently like the, the son of the CIA agent Felix, who I didn't know who that CIA agent was. Maybe from like some older Bond films that, I, you know, maybe like the Wade character from Goldeneye, but um, just a different CIA dude from an older film. A guy named Simon Templeman plays Trevor Noseworthy. Me? You must be joking. I wouldn't waste my time on riffraff like him. Uh, and Simon Templeton has Templeman has done a ton of video game roles. Nothing that really I, I called out, but um, you know, Trevor Noseworthy is like this rich and pretentious other kind of sidekicky guy. Yeah. He was easily easily my least favorite character on this show he was so annoying so nasally i mean you remember from any time we get those annoying characters that are like meant to be annoying i hate them like the orcos like the cringers like the all that fucking shit i can't and and trevor noseworthy is that and then uh mona marshall uh she plays tracy milbanks i'm tracy milbanks my father's the headmaster but uh, don't think for a minute that getting friendly with me will help you with him and Mona Marshall, um, she has done tons of anime voices, uh, stuff down the line. She did like a ton of different voices and she's been on Digimon a lot. But I remember her best um, as Sheila Broflosky, Kyle's mom in uh, the South Park show, which she has done for years. Yeah. And she's just a, you know, kind of a female character, maybe a potential love interest for James Bond Jr. Um, but just kind of a, just kind of a female friend who's in the group and, you know, she's cool in her own right so um and besides you know that main cast uh, there's some other great voice actors in this group alan oppenheimer when i heard his voice i picked him out immediately i was like <laughs> wait a minute you you kind of sound like skeletor kath Suchi, and then also pat fraley did some voices in the okay. show so some some people we've talked about before yeah yeah i know i know joseph picked this out but this is a show that you specifically already had on our list can you tell me you know what what do you remember about the show? And like, or like, what is nostalgic about James Bond Jr. to you? So I remember watching the show, and this is gonna kind of weird. I we've mentioned it's been a while since we talked about. It. We mentioned um, when we were growing up, um, our parents were divorced, and um, a lot of times after school, because our mom still had to work, we had to go to a daycare center after school. So you know, there was somebody watching over us while she was finishing up her job. She had a nine to five. We mm-hmm. got out at like two o'clock or something like that you know we needed somebody there so oftentimes around they have us play outside and then around five o'clock they would bring us in because it would start to get dark outside well you know while people i think they also did that to put us all in one place because about five o'clock is when all the parents would start to show up to take their kids Mm -hmm. um and so they would just put on one they'd put on the television you know and it wasn't it wasn't always a movie it was usually just whatever was on you know cable tv or basic cable or whatever they had there was always afternoon cartoons and it was always like the same ones that we usually watched Mm -hmm. um and the three that i remember and i cannot remember for the life of me what the exact order was but there was always gem which i never was Mm -hmm. really interested in teenage mutant ninja turtles which was my jam at the time um, Mm -hmm. and then james bond jr and i think james bond jr i think came in the middle of one of those or right after something i just can't remember but that there was always in that lineup somewhere and so it was just something that we watched and i 
really came to enjoy it. Going back and rewatching it, mm-hmm. it's not the greatest cartoon. It's a little cheesy. <laughs> yeah. um, I watched two episodes uh, with my kids. I, I, I actually we were eating breakfast the other day, and I said, uh, I said they they're like, can we watch our iPads? I said, no, we're gonna watch some James Bond Jr. <laughs> And so mm-hmm. they, they they're used to that now because we've done this enough yeah. times. They're like, "Oh, do you have to watch this for the <laughs> podcast?" I'm like, "Yes." And I, I for I think our my the success rate for what we watch for them has been like fifty fifty. Half the time oh, they don't okay. care about it, and half the time they're like, "Oh, that was pretty good." I'm, there's been a couple of things I think they've watched that they've got you know obsession level with, but not not a lot. Mm. Um, it's funny. It's taken two years, but my daughter was finally obsessed with the Never Ending Story. Now, to be fair, oh, yes. To be fair, it's because of Stranger Things. What? Oh, just because of the song. She, the song yeah, at the, the end. Of the song. Of, she loves the song. Think, yeah. She, in fact, we were singing it in the car today. She. No, it's a great loves song. that song. She has it memorized. Man, you know what? Next time, next time I see your daughter, we're gonna watch Never Ending Story. You okay. Know, I'm gonna I'm gonna sit with her and we're gonna enjoy that. Yeah, I'm sure she'll love it. As far as the cartoon, I just remember, you know, it's it's kind of some one of those cartoons that it just happened to be on. You know, we didn't have the the mm-hmm. luxury of choice so much. You just had to go what was on, and I enjoyed it for what it was. Okay. The you know obviously this was a kind of a classicy, a feel classicy, but um, this was a uh, an action adventure cartoon. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it, it felt kind of standard, fairly cookie cutter action cartoon with you know just kind of you know what I've seen today, and obviously as much as we've rewatched some of this stuff, the uh, you know. Bond and his friends from Warfield Academy uh, have to thwart the evil deeds of scum, which stands for saboteurs and criminals united in mayhem. Just like, you know, one of those evil groups who's like, look how evil we are. It's like, oh, really? It's like, you know, it's like when uh, you had Magneto and his brotherhood of evil mutants. Like, right. Evil people don't think they're evil. You know, right. <laughs> they think they're, they think they're doing what's right. Yeah. You know, that's what makes them much better. But in the in the cartoon, they used a whole bunch of villains from, you know, the older movies. You know, right. they made appearances. People like Jaws, Odd Job, Goldfinger, Dr. No, all of them um, had made appearances in the movies or in the in this cartoon. Yeah. I would say the animation style, it, it looked like every other early 90s, late 80s you know, action adventure cartoon. Yeah. It wasn't special, uh, but it was passable. I would say it's passable animation. It wasn't horrible. It was exactly. It wasn't, I kind of, I kind of equated it to like, it looked very like Captain Planet to me, you know, yes. it just had that, had that same kind of look to it, same kind of style. Yeah. So overall, like the series was fairly successful, even though it only had like the 65 episodes, which is still pretty good. It spawned um, like a six volume novelization uh, that this one guy wrote and it had a 12 issue comic book. So a comic book series that ran for a year uh, by Marvel Comics back in 92. And it had um, a co- had a video game that was set for the NES and Super NES. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it had some different things to it. That, so yeah. pretty popular. Um, I think a lot of its popularity came to the fact that it ran after Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which was mm, absolutely mm-hmm. massive at the time. I think it was probably yeah. like close to its peak or, or on its way down, but it was still really big. And I think the fact that they put it near right either before it or right after it is what helped sort of try to elevate that show. Totally makes sense. I probably did watch some of this show when I was younger, but I have no memory and no nostalgia, nostalgic value for the show because I just don't I don't really remember watching it. It seems like something I would have watched. Mm-hmm. It is totally in that vein of shows. You know, it feels like it fits right in that. Now, one thing I do, I, I kind of remember. Now, maybe I remember it because you've talked about it before, mm-hmm. but 
It's the theme song. It's got a pretty good theme song. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's not I, bad. It, it wasn't exactly. as good as I remembered it being, but I mean, a lot of this yeah. stuff isn't. But it was uh, it was catchy enough. I actually, I kind of found myself singing along yeah. with it, and I was like, oh, I, yeah. well, you know, it's not bad. Exactly. It's not going to make any, you know, top 10, top 20 list, but it is enjoyable enough. It gets the job done. Yeah. So. I've got kind of my final thoughts on the show. I don't know if you have anything else you eh, want to bring up, but I'll no. go ahead and say mine. Yeah, go ahead before, and say yours. Yeah. I've, I've more or less okay. said my whole thoughts on the show. Yeah. Uh, for me, I thought the show was uh, overall pretty decent. I watched about maybe two and a half episodes. Mm. Yeah, I thought it was, uh, again, kind of like the animation and other stuff, it was passable. I thought yeah. it was a passable show. Nothing made it stand out as awesome to me, but... Overall, I was like, oh, this is pretty decent. And if, uh, you know, if I was a young little kid, especially at that time, if I watched this show, I probably would have enjoyed it. You know, I mean, maybe I did and I just I just completely forgot. (laughs) Um, But like even like a kid these days, I think, you know, might enjoy it uh, to an extent, you know. So, I mean, does your son who's right in that, you know, that 10 year old age range, what what was his his thoughts? Um, You know, it's weird. I didn't get I didn't really get any particular vibe as to whether or not they liked it. Okay. I mean, I watched one, and then I said, I'm going to watch one more, and they didn't really complain, but they, were, they weren't they mm-hmm. were like ecstatic about it. I think they were like, okay, well, I'm okay. just going to eat my well. lucky charms while we're watching the show. <laughs> yeah, well, it's so it's passable. It is right in the mediocre middle of the spectrum. <laughs> yeah. And to be fair, right. uh, because they were like, oh, we're, or they were eating their, their breakfast, and they were like, oh, I'll just have lucky charms. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to watch this. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to have Lucky Charms while I watch this. Damn straight. I'm going to relive my, my childhood years. To be fair, yeah. I still eat Lucky Charms on occasion. Yeah, like, dude. <laughs> first of all, my kids love it, so it's in the house. and It's still good. All right. Not terribly long ago, I got – because I always thought for the longest time, um, Cinnamon Toast Crunch, I kind of considered my favorite cereal. Yeah. And so – me and my wife were like, oh, let's get some shitty cereals. You know, we usually get bran cereal because yeah. we're fucking old and we're just like, let's just eat healthy. But we got Lucky Charms and Cinnamon Toast Crunch because I was like, you know what? These I remember liking these and I remember loving Cinnamon Toast Crunch. And I ate Cinnamon Toast Crunch and it's okay. And then I ate Lucky Charms. And I was like, oh, this shit's the bomb. <laughs> you know, I mean, you get like those cardboardy pieces, but... Yeah. They work. They work perfectly in tandem with the sweet marshmallow pieces. Because if you have nothing but marshmallows, it's a little too much. Yeah. And if you have nothing but the cardboard pieces, it's it's meh. And so, but together, that is the fucking magic. <laughs> you know what? I smell a top ten episode. Yeah. Oh my god! Top ten breakfast cereals. Fuck yes. All right, we're gonna put it on the schedule. All right. I might actually have to like buy these and actually exactly. Retest them. It's just an excuse for us <laughs> to buy cereal. Yep. Done and done. Uh, all right, well, we're ending on cereal, but we started with James Bond Jr., and, and that was our review of James Bond Jr. This episode of the Blast from Our Past podcast is not brought to you by... 
how to use one of these. GoldenEye. Load a rumble pack and see how it feels when 007 meets N64. All right, and now we're going to do the casting portion of the show. As we mentioned at the top, we're going to be recasting some kind of classic James Bond characters. Not anyone from any one particular movie. Uh, We kind of just... I just put together an assortment of common characters that you see quite a bit um, and a couple of the more well-known um, bad guys. Yeah. <laughs> I was, well, I mean, the cool people that are interesting villains, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. So we are going to do, obviously, James Bond. We're going to do M, Q. Uh, for villains, we'll also do Blowfield, uh, Odd Job. We're also going to do Miss Moneypenny. And then just because it's the worst and greatest villain name in the world, we're going to do Pussy Galore. Yeah. And uh, we're going to round it out with Jaws. So some fun characters in there. It was, it was fun to actually put this... Uh, this cast together and i think i i i like what i what i came up with for most of this stuff um i i there's not anyone on here that i think you're going to hate i don't think there's anyone on here you're going to be blown away by at least on my list yeah Uh, i i I, probably this i feel the same with me like i i like who i did and who i cast and kind of the changes that i made with some of them but like in general i don't think you're gonna be like well also also neither of us are super intense into James Bond. So right. if, like, if I say who my James Bond is, you're like, no way, that's stupid. I, I think we're just going to be like, okay, sure. <laughs> I yeah. think this is going to be an okay, sure type of casting. All right. Well, let's go ahead and let's uh, let's start with Jaws. Okay. Jaws, I forget the name of the guy who played him. It's Richard something. Very, very tall actor. I mean, I remember him from, from Happy, Happy Gilmore, Gilmore the most. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I've I've actually met him. Um, I I see him. I well I, he he recently passed. I think mm-hmm. uh, I say that. I I hope I'm right. I don't want to say he's dead and he's not. But he he would show up at the um uh, at the Star Trek convention every year. He was always there because mm-hmm. um, he did a, a guest spot a few times on uh, on the Next Generation. So he was always there. Very nice guy. I met him one time. Super cool. Um, so uh, why don't you start us off with your jaws? Sure. Um, you know, this, you know, I, I wanted to go really interesting. And so I thought for Jaws, I would do a real kickback to the movie Jaws. And I <laughs> cast a shark named Chum that is currently in SeaWorld. Uh, I thought that made just all the sense in the world. I'm, I'm fucking joking. <laughs> now, there is there is an actual shark named Chum in SeaWorld. And I looked that up just for that joke that I kind of fell flat but um yeah uh, you need someone tall and intimidating uh-huh. i don't think they need to be the best actor they just need to yeah. be able to bite through a you know a big metal <laughs> rod and shit like that that jaws does um so i want someone who's tall he has been an intimidating wrestler for just so many years um you know it's like maybe maybe the most intimidating wrestler of all time i went with mark calloway as my jaws aka undertaker who's ah. six foot nine pretty intense looking dude okay that's a that's a fair call yeah he's an intimidating yep. looking dude yeah that's exactly what you would expect yeah yeah i i did try to go for a little bit of a a spin on this one in a particular okay um i actually went with a female okay i was looking at there's there's some tall actresses out there. There's none quite six foot nine. Uh, most of our mm-hmm. most of the tall actresses, or at least the well known ones, are um, like six three to six feet yeah. at most. But um, I actually really love this actress, and I felt like she got shafted 
in the first two recent uh, Star Wars movies, and we got nothing from <laughs> yeah. her character. So I know I, where you're going. I, yeah. went, I went with Gwendolyn Christie. Uh, she would do a, a, a different, interesting take on it. I like that. Um, I, I, I tried to mix things up as well a good bit in this casting, and you're so dead on. You know, she had the chance to be a super badass villain. She had a cool look to her, and they just failed miserably. Yeah. Fucking miserably with her. Um, I think we have given, you know, not to say, we've certainly not given these Star Wars movies a pass because a lot of fans have ripped them to shreds. Right. But it really is a travesty what they did with her character, or what they didn't do. They they did nothing with her. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of unfortunate. So, yeah, I, I think that's a good, cool, a good call and, and a cool, interesting call, too. Okay. All right. Let's go to Pussy Galore. Ooh. <laughs> Uh, I'll go ahead and start with this one. Um, you know, if you know anything about the James Bond movies, you need um, a very attractive, alluring woman to play these, you know, the, especially the villains. So I went with someone who I actually have not really seen play a, a, a villain of any kind. Um, ad- admittedly, um, I did not watch any of the Fast and Furious movies she was in, but I fucking love her as Wonder Woman. I went with Gal Gadot. Oh, Gal Gadot is a good call. Yeah. Uh, I, she's, she's absolutely stunning. Uh, it would be interesting to see her as a villain. Yeah. Uh, because Pussy Galore like ran like a crime syndicate or something. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I want to see more of her okay. uh, in, in every type of way. Sorry. That was really <laughs> creepy. I'm sorry. That was, that was, I was making fun of James Bond for being a sexist, you know, asshole. And then I just did that and I apologize. <laughs> I'm sorry world. Um, but yeah, she is a beautiful woman and a really good actress obviously as well. Yeah. Okay, so I went with uh, a British actress. Uh, she is very attractive because, yeah, I mean, Pussy Galore kind of with a name like that, you got to <laughs> have it. She, I don't think she's known for being, um, you know, like overtly as overall gorgeous as Gal Gadot is. Right. But she's a really good actress, and she's one that I want to see more of because she's in one of my absolute favorite Star Wars movies. So we got two Star Wars movie women back to back. I think I think this female, she unfortunately also died off in the Star Wars franchise because, well, she had to um, because she was in Rogue One. Everyone was going to die. You know it. Uh, but I want to see her in more stuff because I absolutely loved Rogue One. And mm-hmm. I just I know I need to need to watch more of her stuff. And so I was like, OK, I'm just going to put her in there. I went with Felicity Jones as my pussy galore. OK, that's that's fair enough. Yeah. I, I, I don't I'm not as familiar with the, most of her disc, uh, uh, her filmography. So I, I yeah. can only think of her in. um in Rogue One, so seeing her in in this sort of like cat and mouse sexually, thing. it would be a different yeah. Felicity Jones. So I mean, yeah, I, which I want to see. Which, admittedly, I not I loved her in Rogue One, so I'm not at all against it. Yeah, I can see how cool. we've got a lot of these middle of the roads. Like, yeah, that's a good choice. No one's blown away <laughs> by anything, but nothing. Nobody's throwing anything out. Like, well, that's fucking sucks. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we're gonna get that. Maybe. We, well, maybe. <laughs> Give it time. We're not done yet. Give it time, yes. All right, so we'll kind of go back to the good guy side and go to Miss Moneypenny, who was, I believe she's is like M's secretary? Uh, correct. I never really get a sense of knowing exactly what she is. Yeah, M secretary. That's exactly what, it, what she is. Okay. There's always sort of this weird sexual tension between James Bond and Miss Moneypenny. It's something I've heard is happens over pretty much all the movies. There's always there's some sort of weird like sexual tension with nothing ever really happening. I mean, uh, and you see that you see that in Golden Eye as well. Yeah, you, you know, do. She, you know, they 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 flirt, and she's like, "Well, you've never had me," and it's like, "Ooh," <laughs> and that's that's about it. 
So, I, I mean, I it, you know, you could put anyone in here because she's not. You only see her a little bit in most of the movies. Yeah. Uh, I went with. Uh, I did make sure to go with uh, British actors and actresses where I thought the parts you know warranted mm-hmm. they they be that. So I went with a British actress who uh, we've come to love over the last ten years in Marvel. I went with Haley Atwell. Oh, she's a really good actress. Yeah, and she. Uh, you know what? And she's good as being kind of like. No, just a side little small part character, um, but but doing great yeah, with and it. sassy enough to 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 be that. Yeah, I think I think that is a good a good um, interpretation. A good you know, safe pretty, call. Yeah, good safe call. Very similar to what we've probably typically gotten with Miss Moneypenny. So, but I, I think she's great, and I do want to definitely see her in more stuff as well. So that's great. Yeah. Okay, what'd you get? I wanted to go against the norms, and you know there are secretaries who aren't. Always miss money pennies, but there's yeah. some Mister Money Pennies as well uh, in this world. Sure, and so that's what I went with. I okay. went with a Mister Money Penny. Um, I wanted somebody who would be, you know, who has a role of a, a secretary needing to be, you know, younger mm-hmm. than you know your James Bond and obviously your M's and Q's or whatnot. Um, so I went with someone who's a good little actor. It's not little. I mean, he's he's probably. 20 i think he's 23 24 right now but um we loved him you know when he was doing even younger stuff in the movie hugo and other stuff and i think we've cast him before mm-hmm. um but i went with asa butterfield good british actor who i think you know uh would be a, a, a nice little it kind of look like a nerdy look you yeah. have a nice nerdy looking mr Moneypenny. i like that i like that i like i like mixing up that narrative i like how um yeah because he would it's exactly kind of a, like a little awkward uh yeah, yes. nerdy isn't that kind of how the new Q is? He's a younger yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is similar to how the current Q is, which is a younger guy. Not how my Q is, but okay. how the current Q is. Yeah, that's fair because also it wouldn't be like mine. So, yeah, it, it, yeah. I think I like that. I like that. I like the change in that narrative. All right, so let's go on to Odd Job. Adam, why don't you start us off with Odd Job? Because I know Odd Job was a character you loved in the video game. Well, yeah, Odd Job is badass in the video game <laughs> because. You can barely hit him. <laughs> he's so short, and you know he's he's pretty cool. He throws his little not in the video game, but he throws his hat in the movie and stuff like that. Of course, in the uh, Austin Powers, he throws a shoe. You know that <laughs> who throws a shoe? Really? Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, uh, again, I really wanted to push diversity in, mm-hmm. um, in odd job. Now I still went with, uh, an Asian actor and I think an Asian American actor, but my actor is, uh, a de- cause I don't think odd job speaks. If I remember, I don't think, I think odd job stays quiet. Okay. So I, w- I have a, uh, and it, granted this person only has one acting credit to their name. Um, and it's in the show Titans. Uh, which is, you know, that um, you know, the fuck Batman, you know, what I'm talking about. It was, the, I think it was the DC, uh, the DC, DC universe. Yeah. yeah. I, show. I saw the first season and I really enjoyed it. I don't have DC okay. universe, so I haven't seen the second season. I have to wait until it gets moved to Netflix or something, but I actually really enjoyed it. Which I have no, I, I had to watch some clips just to see how the acting was uh, of this guy just to see, because I, I, I don't know if it was in season one or two, uh, but he played the character of Jericho and this is a, a deaf trans male actor named Chella Mann, and that is who's going to be my odd job. Definitely a younger call mm-hmm. on odd job. Typically, I think with odd job, you see eh, like about the same age as James Bond, but 
my odd job obviously is definitely younger kind of kind of can do that the teen look but yeah. I, I don't think you really you can go you can go old with odd job you can go young right. you can go the same age as james bond so i went with obviously a younger one yeah. as long as he throws a fucking hat and <laughs> looks cool doing it that's all i care about and and i i thought uh cello was you know obviously he can do some kind of superhero stuff and that so kind of look with titans so i think um i think i liked i liked the look and i liked um, the diversity with odd job, honestly. Yeah. He, I mean, he's got a great look to him. So I mean, I yep. give you that. I don't, I don't know him from anything, but yeah, odd job is not one of those ones where you you need like a well known actor or anything like that. Yeah, for it. So that's exactly. perfect. You don't. You have no speaking lines. Yeah. <laughs> um. Incidentally, I did go with a well known actor. Okay. Um. Just because I kind of always like the way that sort of odd job has that mean face. Yeah. And so I went with an actor who does have a really good mean face. He is a little bit older, so you went younger. Mm-hmm. I went older. Um, yeah. but he's, he's a great actor in everything he does. And, and I'm sure he'd have fun with this role. I went with Benedict Wong. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Um, he's, uh, uh, Wong in, uh, Endgame and yes. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no. He, he would have, oh dude, he's got the, he's got the perfect classic odd job look to him. Yeah. 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 That's a solid call. Okay. Solid call. I'm happy with that. Actually, it's, I mean, I loved him in, I loved him in the Marvel movies and Dr. Strange and stuff like that. Actually, my favorite movie he's in, uh, is the Martian. Have you ever seen The Martian? Yeah. I loved him. It's, it's weird because he's just playing like this sort of, you know, rocket science guy, but he kind of, I like how, how he plays this sort of guy who sort of like kind of has maybe anxiety. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of like how he plays it that I, I love how he does it. That's interesting. He's in the uh, the the Dark Crystal, you know, new version, the yeah. Netflix Dark Crystal. Did you, did you watch any of that? I did. watch the whole thing. Is it any good? I enjoyed it. Okay. Yeah. Because I hated the. Dark- if you're not a fan, of, if you're, if as I say, if I you're not, not a fan of that world, don't <laughs> probably don't bother. If you, yeah, if you remember our discussion of the Dark Crystal, I am not a fan of that world, so I will not be watching it. But cool, I enjoyed it. All right, good for you. <laughs> uh, so now we go on to Blofeld. Um, I'll kind of jump in with this one. Uh, I just kind of went with a guy who. Uh, now I was thinking the older Blofeld, who in the, one of the older movies, who's like bald. Yes, I want the bald one. I don't. Yeah. I don't want the uh, the Christoph Waltz. I don't. My Blofeld does not have hair. You know, he's stroking a cat. Like yeah. that's my Blofeld. Yeah. Um, so I went with somebody who uh, I thought has kind of an interesting look to him. I, I've never seen him bald, so I don't know. One, I don't know if he'd be willing to do it. But two, I don't know how he would look bald. But I like him, and in most of what I see him play, he's usually playing sort of a bad guy. Um, I really loved him in the Christopher Nolan Batman films as Carmine Falcone. I went with Tom Wilkinson. Oh, I like Tom Wilkinson. Yeah, a good actor there. Um, yeah, I've never seen him bald, but I'm sure he could do it. Yeah, it's all. I mean, he he's pl- obviously in those movies. He's played you know like old school gangster, so he could do like you know crime syndicate boss mm-hmm. uh, like Blofeld just fine. Yeah, solid, good choice. Awesome, cool. I'll take good choice. Good, good call. Yeah, the interesting thing about Blofeld is like how many different movies he's appeared in. You know, he's had multiple different actors, but like he is, I feel like the classic thing now with Bond movies and you have for a little while is you get like a different villain each time. Right. But Blofeld has been in like five or so different Bond movies, which is pretty, pretty interesting. So he's like, he's like the, when I think he, he must be like the main Bond villain. Yeah. You know, of most of the franchise. So yeah. I went with uh, an, uh, a British actor. Uh, I wanted somebody who I had seen before and doesn't have the exact same another white guy look. Uh, so I went with um, a black actor who has already played kind of a villain. He wasn't a great villain in the Game of Thrones show, Game of Thrones show, but 
I thought he was a pretty damn good actor, good enough that I wanted to see more of him. He uh, is best known, at least from that show, he was Zaro Zondaxos uh, in Karth. He was kind of like an asshole trying to, he had no money, but pretending he had all the money. Right. Um, and so I thought he would be a, a cool new Blofeld. So his name is Nonzo Anozi. Okay. Yeah. That'd be an interesting call. And actually, for the record, Tom Wilkinson is also British. Yeah. Yeah. I knew that. I okay. Knew that. I, I didn't mean like, well, I picked a British guy. Right. And you didn't. I just meant like I, I went with, I also went with another British okay. actor or whatever. So. No, that's cool. That's an interesting call. I like that. I would like to see more of him. In things in other, stuff. I, in other stuff, I don't. I'm not really remember because I feel like his time on that show was very small. He was only on like it was. He was only in like four episodes or something like that. Yeah. Um. I mean, he's been in obviously in other things. He's had plenty of credits. Right. He was in the 2015 movie Cinderella, which none. Of, I don't think you and I watched. <laughs> nope. <laughs> neither of us watched Conan the Barbarian. Uh, the Jason Momoa thing. Nope. Uh, so neither of us saw that. But uh, yeah, he's been in, he's been in plenty of other stuff. I just okay. Yeah. No, I like that call. All right. Cool. We'll take it. All right. Well, let's go on to Q, uh, the man who makes all the gadgets. Uh, I'll admit, this is where I had a little bit of fun. Uh, this is where I went a little different, and I'll go ahead and start since I'm already talking about it. So, I mean, some of these roles you can kind of put anyone in, but I like how um, Q always kind of has like a fun little banter, you know, with James Bond, a little fun back and forth. Yeah. And I was watching a movie, and I'm like, you know what? This guy really is kind of a fun actor. And most of the time when you see him, you don't know it's him because he's in some sort of makeup. All, there's all kinds of franchises that he's been in but he's always caked in makeup so you don't really see him all that much. But I think he's a really funny guy in some of the stuff that I've seen him in. I went with Warwick Davis. Oh, yeah. Dude, the dude... You put it well. He does, um, you know, he's got good, I mean, good presence, mm-hmm. great actor. Yeah, just the way he delivers his lines. I think he's got good comedic chops. I really do. Yes, that's what I was trying to say. His comedic timing yeah. is good, is really good. So great British voice to him as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I like, uh, Warwick Davis is a great call. Okay, cool. All right. So where'd you go? Uh, I wanted to make sure that the world knows that women can make some kick-ass tech stuff too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I went with a female who's eh, best known as kind of being the the quiet girl from the movie Drive. Um, but she is a British actress who's done plenty of stuff. And I think she is kind of have a good nerdy look to her that, that I kind of wanted for Q. So I went with Carrie Mulligan. Okay. I like Carrie Mulligan. I can totally see that. I'll take it. Yeah, it's nothing. You know, most of the most of our stuff is just not you know blowing each other away on anything. So. No, I, I probably I honestly probably like your I like your Q so far is my favorite. Okay, I'll take that. Or your odd job. Those those <laughs> your, yes, you have good choices with those. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, let's move on to M. Uh, the boss. Yeah. Uh, why don't you go ahead and start? Sure. I went with uh, an actor for my M. So as opposed to you know Dame Judi Dench, mm-hmm. um, I did end up going back to a male for this role. Um, but he's somebody who I don't know if he gets enough you know big movie credit. He has done tons of different roles. You know you've seen him in so much stuff. I can almost guarantee that you've seen his face. But you don't know his name. He's a, a British actor. You know, you got to have a British actor for M, definitely. Yeah. Uh, other than, like, you know, I just kind of went through different British actors and I saw his name. And I was like, oh, I like you. I want to see you in more stuff. And I want you to get, you know, a bigger credit for what you do. So uh, I went with Delroy Lindo as my M. He's been in Gone in 60 Seconds, Ransom, Get Shorty. So some older movies. But you see his face and you're like, oh, shit, yeah. I've seen you in things. Oh, yeah, that yep. guy. You've absolutely seen him in things. Absolutely. Actually, it's funny. The thing I most remember him for is the court. 
Oh, the core? The, <laughs> yeah, I remember you saying you do like that movie. Well, I don't necessarily say I like that movie. I remember I okay. I, I watched that movie. It was okay. I mean, for it's a it it's okay. a dumb little natural disaster movie. So I mean, it's, yeah. it's not at all yeah, believable. Yeah, yeah. But but I I like I like him as an actor for sure. So I I totally exactly. That. He's just one of those guys that you're like, oh man, you know what? You always you always do good in what you what you do, and so I want to see you, you know, hopefully be elevated. Now, granted, I think for M, they're probably gonna do like another big name, like a Judy Dench, uh-huh. you know, for the you know the next M's and that stuff. But you know what? I like this guy a lot, and so I was just like, you know what? Yeah, you've got, you've got you see that face, and you're just like, oh yeah, that guy. Didn't Ray Fiennes take over for Judy Dench in Skyfall? Yeah, I think so. Okay, I don't. I I I've kind of forgot Zoned a lot out. of stuff i have a, I have the world's worst memory um i know yeah i mean obviously she dies in skyfall because i kind of forget everything yeah. I, I literally have a terrible fucking memory if it's not movie or tv quotes it's <laughs> it's just gone from my head after a while all right so i actually did stay uh with a woman for my m okay um i liked uh i liked what judy dench brought with it and i wanted to sort of capture that but maybe in a slightly different way i pretty much knew right away who i wanted to do for this i i she's a great actress i've loved her in many things i loved her in the movie constantine and i actually really liked her performance in endgame more than in the doctor strange movie i went with tilda swinton she's a good call tilda swinton is um a really good choice she is very very strong british actor Mm -hmm. yeah i I cannot talk shit about tilda swinton i think she would be she would bring uh you know she she can be intimidating too you know you've seen it you know with yeah exactly with her in the doctor strange movie um as well as you know marvel universe and whatnot right she's she's got she's got like a a presence yeah and it's gonna be it's gonna be hard to match judy dench's presence but tilda swinton would do a good job i agree and that's the end of our casting (laughs) Oh, we're not going to do James Bond? We're just not going to talk about Bond. We're just going to skip James Bond. No one cares. No, no, we're going to do James Bond. This is what what Joseph paid for. This is what he's going to get. You got it. All right, Joseph. All right. Uh, I'll go ahead and start with mine because I'll be honest. I mean, I picked this guy to be James Bond, but honestly, kind of the internet picked this guy to be James Bond. I just happen to agree with the internet on this choice. Yeah. Uh, I think he'd make a fantastic James Bond. I chose Idris Elba. He was the first name I wrote down. He was almost the only name I wrote down um, because when I when I said it, I was just like, he's got to be Bond because he's the perfect Bond. Mm-hmm. And then I, I ultimately went with someone else, but I fucking love that call and he deserves it. Yeah. Like, I don't think anybody else deserves it as much as him and the fact that he's not bond is is stupid yeah i ultimately wanted to go with a slightly younger bond and that's why i didn't go with him but i i mean i fucking love that call and if if he he should be you know what he should be bond yeah absolutely yeah i agree so all right so who did you go with and and i wanted i wanted to mix it up i wanted it to be like okay let's go with a non just regular british white dude Mm -hmm. as bond you know let's do it and so idris elba was going to be my choice and then i was like maybe i wanted a female but i I didn't no one actually came to my mind that i really needed and then i just saw some other like british actors and i saw this one dude and i was just like fuck he'd be a perfect (laughs) bond in my opinion and i think he would be i went with richard madden I think he would be a great Bond. He's got the right look. Yeah. You know, he's got a good chiseled jaw. 
he's around the, the age range that I was looking for for my bond and like, you know, that late twenties, early thirties kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. He's just, I didn't want to, I didn't want to just do another fucking regular white guy, <laughs> but I did because I just thought he looked perfect. He, he does have that classic bond look. That is yeah. for sure. Yeah. That yep. is for sure. I, I can't really fault you on that. I mean, he's Scottish. So that goes back to our, you okay. know, goes back to Sean yeah, Connery. Yeah. Sean Connery. There you go. So I could totally see him being cast as a, as a bond. I mean, he definitely works. Um, I still think Idris Elba would be the best Bond. I don't disagree with it. The guy, the guy would be fucking awesome. I don't, I don't hate Richard Madden. I, I mean, I love him as an actor, and I, I actually, I think yeah. I, I like. You know, if they, if they cast him, I wouldn't be mad. Cool. I'd, I'd be like, all right, I believe that. I don't necessarily know that I it would make me go see the Bond film because I'm already not, you know, a huge Bond fan. But I would be, I would be on board with it. We'll take, we'll take on board. All right, and that was our casting of some James Bond characters. Hope you liked it, Joseph. <laughs> Please join us next time for a very special 100th episode. That's right, we've been doing this for one. 100 episodes and what's more nostalgic than a clip show so next week we hope you guys can relive some of your favorite moments there's some of ours so we hope you enjoy it if you have any questions or comments you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com and if you want to suggest a movie or tv show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you to find us on social media search for at blastpastcast so until next time i'm john and i'm adam and thanks for joining us. See you next time. Hey, everybody. I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late-night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get.